We the People of Cape County meets every Tuesday at 5 o'clock p.m. at Delmonico's in Jackson, Missouri. On Tuesday, December 12th, Bill Hennessy from Hennessy's View will be there. Bill Hennessy called for the first St. Louis Tea Party on Hennessy's View in 2009. And the St. Louis Tea Party Coalition grew to be one of the largest and most effective local Tea Party organizations in the country. Bill Hennessy will be at We the People on December 12th. We the People every Tuesday, 5 o'clock at Delmonico's in Jackson. Stop searching for the best search engine. You already found it in Luxel. Luxel. Uncensored results, filtering options for your political preferences, one-click data clearing on the app, browser extensions available, and it's free. Luxel, that's L-U-X-X-L-E dot com. Hello and welcome to the Adrian Ross Show. I am Adrian Ross, of course, and I'm glad that you are here for this episode. Let me get this out of the way. First of all, if you're watching on YouTube, then you probably see circles reflecting off of my glasses. When I say circles, I mean in both of the lenses, I'm sure you can see the circle from that circle light that people often use. A lot of times I'm watching something that someone's recorded and I'm seeing the circle and here I am as well. This these glasses are supposed to like resist that, but apparently they're not. So hopefully that won't be a distraction if you're watching. Also, hey, since we're here talking about YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Adrian Ross Show. So if you're watching, go ahead and subscribe. And if you're not watching, go over to The Adrian Ross Show on YouTube and subscribe. Do it right now. All right. Do it right now. I'd appreciate that. All right. Again, I'm glad you are with me today. And today I want to talk about something really relatable. I, I don't think there's any person who is tuned in to this episode who won't be able to relate to what I'm talking about. I want to give you today three keys to keeping your heart right. And we can all relate because every person has or certainly will have opportunities to be offended, opportunities to become bitter. And this might be an extra good time to talk about it because it's holiday time. And when, when holiday time comes up, emotions are, are all over the place sometimes as we spend time with, with certain family members sometimes who can who can rub us the wrong way. I know it's a horrible thing to say. We always bring this up around Thanksgiving and around Christmas. We love our families. We love our close friends. But let's face it, sometimes we butt heads in that close proximity celebrating what's supposed to be joyous occasions. But even beyond the holidays, what I'm talking about now is serious stuff. Serious for absolutely every season of our lives. How do we keep our hearts right when perhaps we've been wronged? How do we keep them right? And maybe it's this, maybe your heart's already jacked up. 
So how do we get back on track when our hearts are stirred up and we ain't feeling uh, too kind? And maybe that's an, a nice way to say it. But really, I want you to listen to these three ways that you can keep your heart right. All right. So let's jump in. First of all, number one, to keep your heart right, you need an awareness of the grace that God has extended to you. There's nothing like realizing that you have messed up, that you are fallible, that you can be a hot mess, that you have not done all things right, but God has extended amazing grace toward every single one of us. He has forgiven us. He has blessed us. He has allowed us to walk under the grace of God, not talking about the law. I'm talking about grace. And when we truly recognize the grace that has been extended to us, it will help us keep our hearts right when other people or other situations are just not right. And check it out. Every one of us will encounter situations where people don't do us right, where situations don't turn out right, where we have an opportunity to have a heart that is bitter. The Bible even talks about a root of bitterness. One of the things I've said many times is that when you've been wronged, it's so important to forgive and it's important to do it quickly. Why? Because the longer you let that thing fester, that root of bitterness goes deep. And before you know it, you are so out of whack. You are so tied in knots. You are so bitter. But if you want to keep your heart right, if you understand that God's grace has been extended, every single one of us deserves to go to hell apart from God's grace because we've all sinned. But see, here's the thing that we do. We look at what someone else has done and we say, man, but they did X, Y, and Z. I've never done X, Y, and Z. It doesn't matter whether you did X, Y, and Z. Your A, B, and C still require the grace of God. And God has been so amazing that he has extended grace, not the law, not the death that we should receive, but the grace of God. And when you recognize that, he said, listen, you have to forgive even as I have forgiven you. And when you do that, man, it's amazing. It's a blessing to other people when you forgive them. It's a blessing to you. But if you want to keep your heart right, number one that I'm sharing right now is recognize that you need grace and recognize that you are not perfect. I used to do jail ministry for years. And I talked one time about forgiveness. If you've ever read my book, and if you haven't, what you're waiting for, I'm talking, I have three books, but I'm talking about the one called Push Your Way to Purpose. 
how to get from where you are to where you're meant to be. And one of the chapters is use the F word. And that's a chapter all about, about forgiveness. And I share in there, uh, in there how when I did jail ministry, I remember going there one time and these ladies, many of them have been wronged in life and are bitter or were bitter. This was some time ago now. And I remember doing this exercise where I had them take out paper and I had them list how they have been wronged. And they make a list, make a list. And then I say, now I want you to make a list of the wrongs you have done to other people. Because many of them in the situation they're in, they've stolen, they've cheated, they've done all kinds of things. You know, so you list their their children are having to live with other people because they're in and they're in jail. So 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 list of what's list what you have done. And one of the things that they discovered, the thing they discovered was the list of what they've done wrong in many instances was way longer than than the list where they were wronged. And so we come to understand that we're not perfect. We come to understand that we have sinned, and though you might legitimately say, but I have not done to others what so-and-so did to me. All sin is sin and grace is grace. And God has extended grace. Like I said, we all deserve death. We all deserve hell. But when you come to recognize what be, that because of the grace of God, there's hope for you, that you're accepted by Christ. There's an awareness that hits you and it helps you to keep your heart right and to also extend grace. Grace has been given. It helps you to extend grace to other people. But you first got to recognize your need of that grace. And then you come to appreciate that other people have a need of grace also. And so God forgives them. And if he forgives them, who are you? To hold it against them. And I'm just using forgiveness as, as, a, as a, an illustration because very often when we start talking about that root of bitterness, we start talking about our hearts not being right. It's because we've been wronged or we, we perceive that we've been wrong. And you know what? We get bitter. And so if you want to keep your heart right or, or, or get your heart back right, then remember the grace of God. And ask God to help you extend that grace to other people. So that's number one. Number two, do not underestimate the power of prayer. Now hear me. I'm talking about praying in such a way that's going to change things. We've all heard this. Prayer changes things. So some of you, when I when you just heard me say prayer, prayer, you're thinking, I'm going to pray for these people. I'm going to pray for about this situation. I'm going to pray for where I was wrong and where my heart's, you know, in a knot. I'm going to pray and God's going to change them. Hmm. One of the things that I want to share with you is that I believe that the reason the Bible teaches us to pray for those who persecute us, to pray for those who despitefully use us, is not so much for them although prayerfully they will change if they need to be changed. But I believe that it's more for us because let me tell you something I learned many years ago. I had been seriously wounded, seriously hurt 
seriously misrepresented and I honestly didn't deserve it. All I had done was love and to be there. And I'm telling you, there was an attack on my character. There was a, an attack on my motives. There, I was just, it was, it was a deep, deep wound. But I be I was praying for that individual. And I learned through that painful process, okay, that it is impossible. You can repeat after me, say impossible. It is impossible to pray for someone diligently, regularly, passionately. I mean, really praying for someone consistently and not love them. It is impossible. I say that because I believe that's true. I found it to be true. It is impossible to truly pray for a person and your heart not begin to love them. And so I believe that when the Bible says, pray for those who persecute, pray for those who use you, pray for those who mistreat you, it's not just about them. In fact, it may not be about them primarily at all. It's about you. It's about your heart being changed because as you pray for them, it does something for you. And that's what we need. Yeah, we would love other people to change. Now, they may never change. I, I pray that they do. If they're wrong, if they're, if they're evil, if they're maligning you, you pray that they do. But ultimately, it's about you having your heart right. It's about you being free. And with, if you will pray for those, I believe that's why the Bible says you pray for them and see what I do in you. It changes you. And you know, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. But see, see, because the measure that you, that you pour out, that's going to be measured to you again. The Bible says, now you're saying, what does that have to do with keeping your heart right? What does that have to do with what you're talking about? dealing with other people, dealing with offense. I'll tell you why. Because that scripture is often used in reference to money, right? Give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaking together, you know, good measure, all that. And, and, and I imagine it applies. But we have got to stop being people who take scriptures out of context. That scripture is actually not talking about money at all. That scripture is talking about having mercy for people who are unmerciful, being compassionate. Actually, I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. It says, it tells us, the Bible says, let me make sure I find this right. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Give 
and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so in this scripture, we're talking about we're talking about being a blessing to those who curse you. It says, "Bless them and curse not." In the in the whole in the whole uh, chapter, you can go to Luke chapter six and read it for yourself. But the whole context, yes, giving I'm sure applies. There's the law of sowing and reaping and all of that. But the whole main context of this scripture is not about your money. It is about your heart. It is about blessing them that curse you, praying for them which despitefully use you. And it's saying, if you will give, we're talking about giving mercy. We're talking about giving that grace. We're talking about giving that compassion that if you will give, the Bible is saying here that, that per adventure, right? Their hearts will be changed and it will be then given back to you. The mercy that you give, the compassion that you give will then be given back to you, pressed down, running over, all of that. It's not just about money. We, we think money, money, money. And every time we talk about giving and there's so much more, let's be in context with scripture. So if you want to keep your heart right, I'm saying to you that if you pray, if you pray, yes, that God may change their hearts and they will they may give back to you good measure, pressed down, shaking together. All the mercy, all the grace, all the prayers may come back to you. But here's the bigger point I'm making. Ultimately, it's about your heart being changed as you pray, as you bless, as you give unto others. As you do that, it's about you being changed. So again, number one, if you want your heart to be right, you have to recognize that grace has been extended to you. And who are you to withhold that to other people? That's an eye opener. And that'll help you get your heart right. Keep it right, hopefully. But if you're off track to get it right. And then number two, to pray for those who have wronged you, perhaps. Not so that they necessarily will do what you want them to do or will come and apologize and will shape up and all that, which would be wonderful if that happens. But ultimately you pray so that your heart is changed because I'll say it again. I believe it's impossible, impossible to diligently, passionately, regularly pray sincerely for people and not love them. So God will help you to keep your heart right so you can let it go and you will walk in freedom. Now, let me get to the third thing. The third thing I believe is a key to keeping your heart right. And I'll, and I'll start by telling you this story. In 2006, I went on a missions trip to Guatemala. And mission, mission trips have a way of really stretching you. They're wonderful, but they they stretch you. They really do. And so I'm in Guatemala. We had two teams. One team went to the coast to rebuild um, homes for uh, people who had lost their homes in uh, a hurricane. And then I was with the group who went to the mountains and we were building a medical clinic, I believe, up in the mountains. 
And so let me tell you, after several days, I mean, you're enjoying it. You're bonding with people. You're working constantly. You're working hard. You're doing all that. And, and you're loving it. But you're tired and your emotions can get kind of raw. And you can get tired of hanging around people all the time because you're in the mission field. You just can't take off and stuff by yourself, you know. And so up in the mountains, some of the guys, um, sorry, guys, if you're watching, if you didn't know, you got on our nerves. You got on some of the girl, the ladies nerves and they were just like gnawing and gnawing and gnawing about some things. And, and, and I remember getting really, really testy. I was like, ah, so toward the end of the mission trip, we were all coming down off the, we were coming down the mountain. They were coming back from the coast and we were all meeting together. I think we spent like one day or day and a half, um, uh, before we were to exit and, and head back to uh, the United States. And so, uh, you know, my, I was already kind of like stretched. I remember when we came back, I remember saying to uh, Pastor Chris, who was our, um, our youth pastor and, you know, really associate pastor at the church there in New York at the time. Um, uh, and we were the ones who went on the trip. My pastor, senior pastor was in the co at the coast. Pastor Chris was leading our team. He now lives in, in Florida an amazing friend and brother. And, um, but I remember one time I was just, I needed to get away. And I remember asking him, can I just go for a walk? You know, I just want to go by myself. I just want to go for a walk. And I remember him telling me no. And I was just like, Urgh. I mean, of course he had to say no. I mean, you're in a foreign place. You can't just be going off by yourself. But I was just, it just constantly with people and it can be a stretch. And then you got people getting on your nerves and you're, you're, you're ready to just go off because you're already like, ah, and that was me. But anyway, I remember we were all out together. We we're walking or we going for a walk. And one of the guys from church said something to one of my friends um, from church, lady from church. And I just thought what he said was unwise. It was unwise for her in particular, but it was also, it was just also not a wise thing to say for, for many. I, I'll be, I'm being vague on purpose. It's, you know, I don't even know if he remembers this at all, but. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, but the bottom line was that I thought what he said was unwise and it truly, truly bothered me. And I found that it got into my heart. Like it really, really bothered me. And so I remember after the mission trip, at some point, I don't remember how long after the missions trip this was, but I remember my pastor, Pastor Jerome, at um, Rock Solid Church in Hudson, New York, Pastor Jerome Halstead. I remember being in his office. I don't know if he called me in his office to talk with me about something. I don't know if I asked to come into his office. He probably called me in the office because I was probably dealing with something. I was That could be interesting sometimes. But I, I was in his office. My guess is he called me in. I don't remember how far after the trip this was. But we were talking. And somehow this situation with this with what the guy said or did and did uh, in Guatemala came up. I don't know why I told him about it. I don't remember what the deal was, but I remember telling him about it. And I was, and I don't remember how far after the trip this was, but it was still there. It was there. And it obviously had begun to fester this root of bitterness. We're talking today about keeping your heart right, or if your heart's not right, how to get it right. 
So anyway, when I told him this, my pastor at the time, Pastor Drone said to me, he says, okay, I'm giving you one week. You've got one week. I believe it was one. I believe it was one week. I could have the timing wrong, but I'm going to say one week because that's, that's sort of how I remember it. And he says, I'm going to give you one week. Okay. And by the time that week is over, by the time this week is over, you will have gone to him and you're going to tell him exactly what you just told me, what he said, why it was unwise, why it was wrong, why you got that you have an issue. You're going to tell him you have an issue with him because this is an opportunity, he said, for you to grow. You, he, he, you're a mature Christian, right? And as a mature Christian, as a leader, you're going to do what leaders do. You're going to do the hard thing. You're going to go to him and you're going to tell him because, as he said, he's young. He's not thinking what you're thinking. He's, you know, what you're thinking about what he said. You're, he's not, you know, and he needs to grow. Okay. He also needs to grow. But more importantly than that, you need to grow enough that you're going to step out and you're going to tell him that you have this issue with him and tell him exactly what it is. And I give you a week to get it done. Now, my response was, I, I'm fine. I'll be all right. I do not want to bring this back up. No, that's okay. That was me. I don't want to go to him and tell him what my issue is. However long from that it was. I don't remember how long the time had been or whatever. I don't remember at all how long that was. But And I didn't. I know I didn't want to go to him. I don't want to say, hey, you know, by the way, when we were in Guatemala, you know, this is, and this is what I'm dealing with. And I didn't want to do that. But my pastor said, this is an opportunity for him to grow because he don't have a clue and he needs somebody to clue him in, number one. But number two, this is about you. And this is about leadership. And this is about you being mature. And as a mature woman of God, I'm saying to you, I give you a week and you go to him and you share with him what your issue is. And so I knew I had to do it and I didn't want to do it. And I remember, I can still picture it. It was a Saturday evening because we had prayer every Saturday night at, at church, at, at the church. And I remember I didn't call like some big meeting. I didn't make a whole big thing out of it. We were standing outside the church. And I remember telling him. I just sort of said it. I don't remember exactly how I said it. I don't think I made a big old, I kind of low-keyed it, I think, but I said it. And I I remember him seeming a bit defensive. Like I don't think he just was like, oh yeah, great. You know, I it kind of he kind of he was I caught him off guard. Um, great, great guy, loves God and all that. He's not a bad guy at all. I just didn't agree with what he did and it and it bothered me and I thought it was unwise. And so and, and it got in, it got really under, it got into me, you know. And but he seemed a little defensive because he didn't, he wasn't expecting it or whatever. And I, he, you know, I, I think he kind of sort of like kind of semi-apologized, I think. But there was a sort of like defensiveness to it, whatever. But but it was said. I said what I had to say. He kind of kind of apologized, was kind of taken aback. And, um, and we moved on and you might go, okay, so Adrian, what does this have to do with keeping your heart right? Because I believe the third key is not that there are only three keys. I'm giving you three keys. And the third one is this, 
sometimes you have to open your mouth. You have to do the hard thing. You have to go to whatever it is, whatever the situation is or the person, and you've got to get it right. And that sometimes requires saying, you know what? I don't want to have to say this, but this is, this is where I am. This is where we disagree, perhaps. This is where um, I'm dealing with offense. This is what I believe you've done, you know. And some people would say, ah, it's just ridiculous. Just shut your mouth up, shut your mouth up, suck it up, move on. And there are times when we have to do that. And that's what I really wanted to do. But Pastor Jerome knew that I needed to grow up and be mature enough to go to the person and share what the situation is. Now, we were fine. You know, he just was, you know, he wasn't expecting it, but we moved on. He, you know, he kind of like, kind of semi was like, oh, you know, okay, I'm, you know, didn't mean that or, you know, but we were able to move on. And before then I was tied up in knots. And so for me to have a, a heart that was right, I had to do the hard thing. And, and I don't like to do that. I, I would prefer not to have confrontation. It's so much easier to not say anything, to keep it inside, you feel it bubbling over, or to go and, and just, just talk to other people and not just go to the source. And so, and sometimes you get good friends who tell you, you need to go and take care of that. And, and so that's important. So if you, if you ever, if you ever have dealt with this kind of thing and you've tried these three things, I, I, I know that you would, you would be saying, amen, that's true. And if you're wondering, well, how do I, how do I deal with this? This is why I'm here today. This is what I felt to share today. Those three keys. So number one, you understand the grace that has been extended to you. So when your heart is, is trying to act up and be wrong and be bitter, you remember God has given you incredible grace that you don't deserve. And so we have to extend grace to other people, especially if we if we want to steward well the grace that he's given us. And number two, you pray for those who despitefully use you. You pray for situations that are about situations that are just not right, not just so that they may change. They may change. They may change. <laughs> and it may be, it would be wonderful if they do, but whether they change or not, prayer will change you as you pray. Specifically, when you think about individuals, it is impossible to pray consistently, sincerely, and passionately, and truthfully for people and not love them because prayer does that. And so that's the second one. And the third key, of course, is to do the hard thing. And sometimes that means you've got to go to an individual about whatever it is. It doesn't have to be like my situation. doesn't matter. Whatever is affecting your heart, you may have to go and take care of business respectfully with honor, you know, not tearing down, tearing out down the place, but you may have to go and be the adult and do the right thing. And when I say be the adult, I mean, be the mature and specifically this, this stuff will sound foreign probably to people who are not people of faith, people who are not, who have not committed their lives to the Lord or not. They're not sitting around praying for the people who did them in. They just, you know, or, or who have wronged them or, who have, you know, uh, um, 
misrepresented them or whatever. They're probably not doing that. They don't understand the grace that God has given them. You know, they haven't reached out and grabbed that grace, so they're not going to get it. They're not necessarily praying. They're not praying for people who did a wrong. And and many of them, if they are confronting people, they might be blasting them. But other than that, they much rather tell other everybody else or just be bitter. But people of faith, these three keys are important. And sometimes when it comes to that, to the second key of praying for people, sometimes you got to do what I've had to do in times past, where I say, God, I don't want to pray for so-and-so. I really don't, Lord, because I can talk to him that way. I can go to him that way. But I'm telling you, these are three keys that will help you keep your heart right. And if your heart has, has gotten away from you in a not good way, these three keys will help you turn it around. So I am sharing this with you because I know this is important. I know that you can relate. And I encourage you to do the things that I'm talking about. It'll bless you. It'll help you. And that's important. Our hearts have to be right. For our benefit, if not, if no one else's, our hearts have to be right. So that's what I have for you today. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Hey, listen, this is a message that other people need to hear. Okay. I need you to Hit the share button wherever you're, wherever you're, wherever you're hearing this or seeing this, share this thing. Leave a comment, right? And share, share, share. Make sure you subscribe on the various platforms. That's important as well. Also, don't forget my Substack, adrianross.substack.com. adrianross.substack.com. I'd appreciate your support. I appreciate you subscribing, all right? And don't forget about We the People. We the People of Cape County meets every Tuesday at 5 o'clock p.m. at Delmonico's in Jackson, Missouri. Bill Hennessy will be at We the People on December 12th. And then We the People will take a Christmas break and return on January 2nd www.wethepeopleofmissouri.org and wtpcapecountymo at gmail.com. All right. One more thing. The bmgnetwork.com. The other podcasters there are engaging, enlightening, informative, and even entertaining at times. The bmgnetwork.com. Check it out. All right. I'll catch you next time, God willing, on the Adrian Ross Show. God bless you abundantly.